You have overcome many hardships and awakened six sages, and now you have a final challenge, a showdown with Ganondorf, the king of evil. This is Legendary Adventures, a Legend of Zelda playthrough podcast. This week in Ocarina of Time, we're trading our way to the Big Goron Sword and taking on the challenges of Ganon's castle to take on the king of evil himself. Before taking on Ganon, however, why don't we get an extra piece of gear that, while not required to complete the game, will come in handy nonetheless, the Big Goron Sword. Ocarina of Time is the first Zelda game to feature multiple sword types. Past games featured multiple swords, but they were all upgrades to Link's standard sword and simply replaced the current sword after being obtained. Here we have not only Link's Kokiri sword and Master Sword, which both can only be used by Child Link and Adult Link respectively, we also have a large two-handed sword which can be obtained. There are actually two of these. One is called the Giant's Knife, and it can be acquired from a giant Goron named Medigoron inside Goron City. It costs 200 rupees and it's prone to breaking, so I never bothered buying one. It's interesting to note, however, that this is the first example of a breakable weapon within the series. In this case, the broken giant's knife can still be used, but its range and strength are greatly reduced. It can also be repaired for another 200 rupees. A second, unbreakable two-handed sword can be obtained through a Straw Millionaire-style trading quest. This quest can be completed earlier than this point, I just chose to save it until now in this playthrough. In order to complete the quest, players will have to complete the Ice Cavern and Thaw King Zora. I'm not sure that Epona is strictly required, but she is incredibly useful, and I'm not sure I would have been able to complete this quest without her, so it's a good idea to have her as well. We start the trades by speaking with the Chicken Lady in Kakariko Village as an adult. She gives Link a pocket cuckoo egg. She asks Link to care for it and make it happy. Like the chicken we received from Malin while sneaking into the castle, we must wait until the next day for it to hatch. The similarities to that earlier egg we obtained might also tip players off to how they should use it. They need to wake up Talon. <coughs> this time he's found in Kakariko Village in a house directly across from the house of Skothala. Waking him makes the chicken happy. We can then return to the chicken lady and show her the happy chicken. She will trade us for another one. This one is blue and is called Kojiro. She tells us that the chicken belonged to her lost brother. That should tip us off to our next location, the Lost Woods. In the clearing room at the Skull Kid in the past, we find the carpenter's son and brother to the chicken lady. In the past, he sat under the tree in the center of Kakariko at night. Here, he is sleeping against the log where Skull Kid stood. Using Kojiro, he will awaken. He then asks Leek to take a mushroom to the old hag in Kakariko. This is the woman who runs the potion shop in the fenced-in area behind the main potion shop. This trade is timed and must be made within three minutes, adding a new wrinkle to the trading quest not seen in Link's Awakening. The potion shop owner will take the mushroom and make a special medicine, ominously warning that it will not work on a monster. Returning to the Lost Woods, we find not the carpenter's son, but a Kokiri girl. She explained the carpenter's son transformed into a Stalfos. She says that will happen to anybody who comes into the forest and becomes lost. She then demands to be given the medicine made with the forest mushrooms, and gives Link a saw in exchange. Who uses a saw? A carpenter, of course. The head carpenter will say that the saw is his and will trade Link a broken Bigoron sword in exchange for it. We can then go to the top of Death Mountain to find Bigoron, the maker of the sword. He says that he can fix it, but his eyes are bothering him due to a recent volcanic eruption. He asks Link to get eye drops from King Zora and gives him a prescription. King Zora says he does not have the eye drops, but the ingredient to make them. 
he gives Link an eyeball frog and tells him to take it to the old man in the lakeside laboratory. This is another time trade, which is three minutes on the clock. Getting to the lakeside laboratory in time allows players to give the frog to the man in exchange for the eye drops. Players then had to make another timed dash, four minutes this time, back to the top of Death Mountain. After getting the eye drops, Bigoron gives Link a claim ticket and tells him to come back in a few days for the sword. We can use the Sun Song to make three days pass and then claim the Bigoron sword. This two-handed sword deals more damage than the Master Sword, but it reduces Link's defensive abilities. He can't use a shield while holding this sword. Now we can move on to Ganon's castle and the final face-off. But first we need to make a pit stop at the Temple of Time as we were directed by Raru. Sheik appears in the temple and explains more about what happened seven years ago. According to Sheik, the sacred realm will change to reflect the heart of the person who enters it. Because Ganondorf entered it, it became a place of evil. But if someone with the attributes of the Triforce, wisdom, power, and courage, out of balance in their heart touches the artifact, it will break apart with each piece going to the person who best represents that attribute. Ganon's heart was not in balance, so he currently only holds the Triforce of Power. Link holds the Triforce of Courage. And the Triforce of Wisdom is with Sheik, who is, in fact, Princess Zelda. <laughs> She disguised herself to hide from Ganon. She explains that she is the seventh sage. She says the plan is to trap and seal Ganondorf in the sacred realm. She then gifts Link light arrows. These are a nod to the silver arrows from the original game and a link to the past. They will be required to complete the game. However, these arrows stand apart in that magic is required to use them. Immediately after getting these arrows, Ganon traps Zelda in a crystal and transports her away. It seems he was again a step ahead of Link and Zelda and kept an eye on Link, knowing that he would lead him to Zelda. He then challenges Link to come to his castle if he wishes to rescue her. It seems to be a pretty bald-faced attempt to get all three pieces of the Triforce back together. We, of course, are going to go all the same. At Ganon's castle, the sages use their power to open the way. This is another callback to A Link to the Past. There, the sages use their power to reveal a staircase leading to Ganon's tower. Here, they form a rainbow bridge leading to Ganon's castle. The music fully brings back that unmelodic style Koji Kondo outlined as the direction he was given for the dungeons. It features deep piano notes mingled with wind-like howls, growls, and industrial clanging. There are also horror movie-like keyboard stings. The castle is divided into three distinct sections. The first section spans two floors, a ground level and a basement level, but they are presented with a large open design. We can move freely between the two levels and see one from the other at all times. There are six doors, each one representing one of the sages lining the walls. There are four doors on the first floor and two on the basement level. Each door leads to a challenge, and the challenges are intended to be themed after the dungeon that was associated with each sage. The challenges can be tackled in a variety of orders, but there is a dungeon item here to acquire, the Golden Gauntlets. These will be required to complete some of the challenges. 
The gauntlets are found in the Sage of Shadow Challenge. They are needed to lift and throw massive stone pillars. There is one pillar blocking the entrance to the Light Sage Challenge, and one pillar inside the Fire Challenge, meaning that these must be completed after the Shadow Challenge. Otherwise, players are free to tackle the challenges any order they wish. Let's talk about these rooms a bit. I said they're intended to be based on the dungeon associated with the Sage, and that's because while some do feel similar to the respective dungeon, others do not. I think the Shadow Temple and the Spirit Temple Challenge rooms match their respective dungeons pretty well. The Shadow Temple Challenge requires lighting torches to make a platform appear. This specific concept wasn't part of the dungeon, but lighting torches was, and making something seemingly invisible visible is on brand. And the final part of the challenge is something that you would see in the dungeon, using the Lens of Truth to find an invisible pathway. The Spirit Challenge Rooms features a Silver Rupee Collection Challenge, something that we did see in the temple, a Bomb Chew Puzzle that's a step above what we saw in the temple, but still on brand, and a Sun Switch Light Puzzle, again all on brand. On the other hand, the Forest and Water Challenge Rooms feel unrelated to their respective dungeons. The Water Sage Challenge could perhaps be argued that it is connected, but the rooms are not themed after the Water Temple, they are instead themed after the Ice Cavern, and it does match the Ice Cavern pretty well with blue fire used to melt red ice and a sliding block puzzle. But this time the puzzle isn't about collecting silver rupees, as it was in the ice cavern, but simply reaching a floor switch. The forest sage challenge, on the other hand, feels entirely unrelated to its respective sage and dungeon. It starts with a torch lighting puzzle that's lifted more or less straight from the shadow temple. It then follows up with a silver rupee collecting challenge involving use of the hover boots and goblin fans. The fans and the hover boots are both shadow temple mechanics and the Silver Rupees, while common in this game, did not appear in the Forest Temple. The remaining two Sage Challenges fill somewhere in the middle for me. These are the only two that require the dungeon item to complete them. The Fire Temple Challenge Room is actually a pretty good match for its dungeon. It features a platform challenge on sinking platforms that's absolutely something that we saw in the dungeon. On the other hand, this is all used for a Silver Ruby Collecting Challenge, which is something that we did not see in the Fire Temple. The Light Temple was not a dungeon that was in-game, so really anything could be on brand here. But the first room feels very Shadow Temple, with using the Lens of Truth to clear out a room of enemies. Then we come to a room where we play Zelda's Lullaby, and it's the only requirement. Followed by a Silver Rupee Collection Room that feels similar to the one that we found in the Spirit Temple. Again, nothing's really out of place here, because there's nothing to compare it to. But on the whole, it feels pretty generic for the game. Once all six challenge rooms are cleared, players can move on to the second part. And it's a good idea to pause here. Just outside Ganon's castle, we can find a Great Fairy's Fountain. It's in the same location as the Fairy Fountain found in the past. This fountain can only be opened with the Golden Gauntlets. The Fairy will grant a defense upgrade. His hearts gain a white outline, and the damage he takes is cut in half. Nice! Back in the castle, we can start our ascent up the castle tower by passing through a now-open door in the center. Once through the door, the music shifts. It's an arrangement of Ganon's theme from A Link to the Past, played on organ. The music grows in volume and intensity as Link ascends up the tower. The tower spans five floors. On three of the floors, players will be stopped for a combat challenge. The first is a pair of Dynalfos, the second against a pair of Stalfos, defeating them reveals a chest containing the boss key. And in the third combat challenge, we take on a pair of Iron Knuckles. On the fourth floor, we go through the boss door to find the lower level of the boss arena. The room is empty for now, and we then proceed up to the fifth floor to confront Ganondorf. 
As we enter the room, he is playing the organ. Yeah, the music we heard was diegetic all along. Zelda is suspended inside a crystal in the air above him. Ganondorf demands the other pieces of the Triforce and then casts a dark magical spell which repels Navi. We don't get much help from her in this fight. As the fight begins, Ganondorf uses an attack that causes part of the floor to fall away, revealing the bottom of the arena we pass through on the fourth floor below. This fight sees the return of Dead Man's Volley. Players must return an energy ball and keep the volley going until Ganondorf misses his return. This is the opening we need to shoot him with a light arrow. After he's hit by the arrow, he sinks to the floor and we can hit him with the sword. It took me three attempts to complete the game. It's all because I did not collect the magic meter upgrade on this playthrough. This is the first time I can recall I've ever skipped this upgrade. I simply overlooked it. It's found in the Great Fairy Fountain outside the Fire Temple on the Death Mountain Crater. On my first attempt fighting Ganondorf, I whiffed some shots with the Light Arrows, and I ended up running out of magic before the fight was over. I did not have a magic restoring potion, and the pots below on the fourth floor did not give me any magic refills. With no way to complete this fight, I was forced to forfeit. I returned a second time with a green potion in my inventory, and this time I was able to defeat Ganondorf. Once Ganondorf is defeated, the third section of the dungeon begins. The castle begins to collapse, and players must race down a transformed castle within a time limit of three minutes. On each level, players will run into a barred door. Zelda will open the door when she and Link both reach it. After passing through a few rooms, Zelda will be trapped in a pillar of flames, and players must defeat a pair of Stalfos in order to proceed. Just before exiting, players will run into a Redead, which will also have to be defeated. Once outside the tower and following an extensive cutscene showing the castle's collapse, a second boss fight begins. This one involves Ganon's pig-like form. We, of course, only ever saw Ganon with a pig-like appearance in the previous games. Here, he's been human until now. As the fight begins, Ganon knocks the Master Sword from Link's hand. It lands next to Zelda on the other side of a fire barrier. Players must hit a weak point on Ganon's tail. Without the Master Sword, the Bigoron Sword comes in handy here. Without the Bigoron Sword, the Megaton Hammer or arrows can be used. After a number of hits, Ganon falls down and the fire barrier fades, allowing Link to grab the Master Sword. Once he does, the fight begins again. The goal stays the same. I made a mistake and switched back to the Begoron Sword in hopes of making Ganon fall down quicker. But it turns out that was a bad idea. The fight never seemed to end, and I was eventually killed by Ganon. After looking on ZeldaDungeon.net, it appears that Ganon never fell down because of my use of the Begoron Sword. Apparently, only the Master Sword can be used. After going through Ganondorf a third time, and the castle collapsing sequence a second time, and a second fight with Ganon, I was able to defeat him. The sages seal him away, but as he disappears into the void leading to the sacred realm, Ganon promises revenge on the descendants of Zelda, the sages, and Link. Zelda speaks to Link. She blames herself for the evils that befell the kingdom. She says, I could not comprehend the consequences of trying to control the sacred realm. Zelda says the Master Sword must be returned, and uses the Ocarina of Time to return Link to his childhood. She urges Link, regain your lost time, home, where you are supposed to be, the way you are supposed to be. The kingdom celebrates. We see people from all parts of Hyrule dancing. Everyone seems happy. 
well, all but two. Mido and King Zora sit apart from the others, not taking part in the revelry. They notice the sages fly overhead. The sages gather atop Death Mountain, celebrating their victory. Link returns to the Temple of Time. The Master Sword rests in its pedestal. Navi departs without saying a word, and Link returns to Hyrule Castle. He and Princess Zelda stand together in the courtyard. The game ends on a freeze frame before anything is said. With that, Ocarina of Time is now complete, and it's time to wrap up this season. We'll do that next week with a look at the game's world and its legacy. If you liked this episode and you want to follow along, please do consider subscribing. Please also consider sharing this podcast with a friend. To everyone who's already subscribed, really thank you. I'm glad that you're enjoying this podcast enough to follow along. I'm Paul Riley, and I will see you next week. Thank you.